Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Coda. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. Uh, I'm back in my room. I'm back in my home, and and now that I'm home, both of you have left. <laughs> you're on you're on the road, but you both sound great. We're on vacation. We had to we had to relax. It's it's stressful times, Simone. <laughs> <laughs> they are stressful times. I mean, I'm with my family, so it's like not quite the same thing as like what Bree is doing. But yes, so it's still we stressful are, for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, honestly, yes. But but no, actually, it's been really great. My mom's birthday is on Friday. So uh, listeners of the show, uh, my mom is, 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 it's a big one for her too. So uh, listen, long time listeners of the show know that uh, my mom has been a guest a couple of times and we love her. And so shout out to my mom. So, yeah. So based on your skin, I'm going to guess your mom is probably 50, maybe, maybe even 40. That would be my guess. I think she just turned 35. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's basically exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. My mom just turned 35, 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, we have some exciting uh, news at the top of the show. So listeners might note, if you just open your podcatcher and look at this episode right now, that we are on episode 399 Woo! of Rocket here on Relay FM. Uh, that's amazing. We've been doing this for a really long time. Um, and one exciting thing that is happening, starting with episode 400 next week. Well, you're, you're going to want to tune into that just because um, Brianna as is her way, has planned something mysterious and unknowable <laughs> that Christina and I don't know what it is. And we're we have scared. no idea. We're vulnerable and scared. But perhaps more importantly than that, we are finally becoming members of, well, members, and you're going to be becoming members, I hope, of like the Relay FM bonus uh, content program here. So if you listen to other Relay shows, you might know you can become a member of a podcast. So basically you get an ad-free version of that podcast and you get bonus content for that podcast uh, for a subscription. You also get other cool things like membership to the Relay FM Discord. We are finally going to be uh, giving you some bonus content if you become a member and like subscribe to us. And what that is going to be is something that we're calling Rocket Booster. It is Ooh. essentially a, a second helping of dessert for you. If you like hearing us talk about pop culture, if you like hearing us talk about scams and stuff, none of that stuff is going away from the regular show. You just get a little bit more of it every single week. And of course, like the price that you have to pay is no longer hearing my beautiful ad reads. Um, And I understand that obviously (laughs) that's, eh, it's hurtful like you don't want to say goodbye to them, you don't want to give them up. But just think, j- more of more of the words coming out of us, less yes. of the ad reads. Um, also, yeah. Also, if you really need to hear Simone's voice, yes, you really if you need have to, to hear her ad reads. What you can do is you can subscribe to both feeds. You can subscribe to the 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 Rocket Booster feed, which will be private and will be ad free and have all the extra stuff. And then you can go back and re-listen to the episode, and just like rather than skipping through the ads. You can just skip through us talking and listen to Simone oh, give the ad rates. That would be yeah. perfect. Also, the the fake ads that I trick Simone into <laughs> <laughs> will yes. probably be in both versions of the oh, show. Shoot. Just to be clear, should we 
Should we do like <laughs> occasionally a fake ad just for Rocket Booster? Yes. 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 Okay. We, we, th- th- this idea is literally coming up on the fly. Brilliant idea, Simone. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, great work on, on the initial fake ad. Brie. I, I think it was th- a lob from Brie and a dunk from me. Like she passed I love the ball. It. <laughs> I took it. And I'm just happy to just be here as a spectator and appreciate all of it. But yes, 100%. This is another edition of, 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 of Rocket Booster. You will occasionally hear fake ads from one Simone de Rochefort. And and I can't promise that every time we'll be able to trick her. But we will be trying to make it so that as she's reading the ad, it takes her a while to figure out what's fake. Let me note. I get no, I guess you did you did trick me. You did trick me. Uh <laughs> There were layers to the trick, though, which was the beautiful thing about it. Um, okay, so that that is our news. Uh, we will have more information next week about like how you can subscribe to that. It'll be amazing, and thank you so much. We will also, Bree, do you want to tease our other special, wonderful announcement? Yes. Um, so uh, we're going to start. Uh, one of the things we have not done a good enough job on on this show is bringing you guys merch. We want you to have awesome Rocket merch to get. So uh, we're going to have special versions of the shirt, uh, the shirt that is coming out next week, which is a gorgeous new design. Um, you can get a version of that just from the normal version of the show. But we are going to offer uh, members a special Rocket Booster uh, exclusive color of that shirt for you, uh, which is going to be gorgeous and awesome. And uh, we're very excited about that. We're also going to look at um, getting some Rocket branded merch uh, for you. Like something that I use every single day is a Hydro Flask. And uh, mine is just like a normal, boring like hydro flask. So what we want to do is like, just get stuff out there that you can show your love at this show. Um, that's, you know, quirky, awesome stuff. Um, and we're going to get that out there for you. I also just want to say, you know, for me personally, I support shows that I listen to and love. Uh, I support Majority Report every single month. Uh, I support the K-Bash show on YouTube. And, you know, if you love the work that we do and you've been listening to us for 400 episodes, we hope you'll support us too. Yay. Thank you so much. All right, let's get into episode 399 then. Woo! Here we go. All right, let's talk about some chips very crunchy remember how a few months ago uh we were like wow because of the crypto crash the market for semiconductors is just being flooded like there are chips being resold that are used maybe now you can actually buy a chip because they're not selling out immediately well the looming r word the recession as we call it in media uh, is kind of shaking things up. We now both have a shortage of chips and a surplus of chips at the same time. Uh, as Financial Times reports via VLSI Research, back in February, there were enough chips to support 1.2 months of production. Then inventory jumped to 1.4 months in June and 1.7 in July. Uh, so what's happening, weirdly, is on the consumer side, there's been less demand for PCs and smartphones, so there's a surplus. And on the other hand, industrial clients like automotive manufacturers still like are very low on chips, and the market is all messed up. Uh, all of this has been reflected in revenue from chip makers like Intel, NVIDIA, and, and Micron. And regrettably, all of this is happening at this literally the same time, simultaneously with uh, the U.S. government, 
uh, passing the CHIPS Act, which provides $52 billion in government funding uh, for U.S. chip manufacturers. So it, it is a weird time. And it's, I think, the word recession, like like I said, it, I kind of joked in media, I have heard people call it the R word because nobody wants to say recession and be like, there's a recession coming. Um I think the the state of the semiconductor industry may be a, a, an interesting sort of barometer of where the economy is going. And obviously, hopefully that would just be a, a blip in the radar. But even in like Financial Times, they're reporting like the, the chip industry is kind of going, huh, this doesn't look like the other problems, like the other downturns we have had. This one looks weird and we don't understand it. Uh, so that that's kind of the, the state of the game right now. I'll open the floor. Christina, you brought this one to our attention. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the chip industry's weird time. Yeah, I mean, okay, I never thought I'd say this because they were, I think, um, our, and you're going to have to bleep me here, I think that they were our, our most company of the year <laughs> last year. But I feel bad for Intel, right? Like, they got a new CEO, uh, Pat Gelsinger, who's really trying to turn things around. Their GPUs which is like, this is like their third or fourth attempt at trying to do like a real GPU. They've hit some snags. They're coming out late. They have, they've been late to getting to the, the you know, thinner conductor, semiconductor sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're finally like looking like they're going to be subsidies to be able to do more U.S.-based, you know, plants and whatnot. Um, uh, their, their desktop chips, for the record, have actually caught up with AMD um, and, and, are, and are better now, at least for, for a lot of uh, purposes, maybe not as power efficient, but, but have caught up quite a bit, but they've been having a rough time. Like AMD's market cap is actually higher than Intel's now, which is insane. And then you see like this stuff where they're one of the companies that seems to be hit with this sort of thing. So, so I, I never thought I'd say this, but I sort of feel bad for Intel, but yeah, uh, I mean, reading about this, this is, this is weird. I think that this whole recession and I'll use the word, I'm not afraid of it. Uh, which I think most of us can agree is is a real thing that's happening, is not looking like other recessions we've seen before. And I think that that uncertainty is definitely expanding to other industries. And I think what's what's you know weird about this is that on the one hand, we have like these trailing indicators, which act obviously show that demand has has ebbed from from its, its peak, right? Which makes sense. But mm-hmm. we don't still have a good sense of what demand really is and, and how good it's going to be. And we're still also dealing with, you know, uh, the the remainder of of some like shipping and and, and shortage issues, right? And a, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, there are some industries like the automotive industry where they still are backlogged, and so you know, it, it everything is sort of at a standstill. So I don't have much really instructive to say, except this whole thing is weird. And if you're someone who invests in this space, especially if you're thinking about starting a fab, which is an incredibly expensive process and takes many, many years to do. I hope this doesn't convince anyone to back out of it because I do think long-term having the fabs will be a good thing, but I could like that, that, that would be my only fear is that the, the trailing indicators and things they're seeing, if it convinces people to not make the investments they've already actually set out to do, that would concern me because I do think that long-term having more infrastructure in place and especially having more infrastructure in different locations Mm-hmm. would would help prevent what we saw happen, you know, in the last two and a half years. No, definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, my thoughts on this really go to 
you know, the huge bill we just had passed, basically giving chip manufacturers uh, government subsidies, right? Like, we want to produce more of these things here in the United States. And to do that, we had huge, huge giveaways, uh, you know, overwhelmingly to Intel. And, you know, you, you have to note at the exact same time that we're putting forward these huge subsidies for for this, it's the exact same time that they are operating a cash deficit, and the the like what they need to make has sharply dropped, and they're slashing production. Which you know, there's a way to look at it. Like short term, it's it, it looks like a giveaway to people that don't need it, and. You know, like, obviously, I think that, like, the ability to produce ship, uh, chips here at home is a national security issue. Um, you know, we have to look at this beyond just this one quarter. Even today, uh, you know, Prusa, uh, they're about to put out a new version of their uh, Prusa 3D printer, and they just had to announce that they're going to roll it back for early next year. And at that point, they're only mm. going to be able to put a few of them out. Mm-hmm. Because they just can't get the chips for everything they need. So I I definitely am, you know, this is what made that bill so problematic. Because if you look at the entire problem of what's going through, what's going wrong with the chip manufacturing industry, it's not the money that they need to, like, invest in these things. It's the tooling. It's the, you mm-hmm. know, it's the technology behind it. It's, you know, it's rare. It, it's like individual components that get stuck at a factory halfway around right. the world and they can't get mm. here. And it's just so much, it's so much more complicated than this being a problem that the government can solve with a check. And right. I hate that. I hate that because I feel like, all too often in modern political times, we kind of just shrug at a problem and go, well, government can't fix this. We just don't need to do anything as private industry, blah, blah, blah. But I'm increasingly skeptical that that really <laughs> is the case here. That, yeah, that's so – thank you for bringing up the the shipping thing because, like, we've talked before uh, about just the su- global supply chain issues. And you're totally right. Like, I, I'm very – I am convinced, as you, I think, both are from talking to you, that having manufacturers stateside is important, not just, you know, like economically, we will continue to rely on chips for a long time, no matter how long this shortage lasts. It's important. It's important to to have jobs in the United States and to be able to, like, manufacture the latest technology here, I think. That being said, you are totally right and raise a good point that like all those components don't just magically appear one day in an American factory <laughs> to be manufactured right. by Americans. Like it is still a global industry and it will always remain a global industry. Um, and that larger supply chain issue is one that is is still ongoing and I think super important. Um, I also just to bounce back to the point that you made, Christina, I do totally agree. Like, I hope that uh, the, the way that investment works is so fickle and so uh, frustrating to me because I, I totally agree. You could look at this downturn and be like, ah, shoot, what a bad investment. But in the long, long term where individuals stop mattering, it's a good investment because we need this. <laughs> right. But unfortunately, it's, you know, that's the way that the economy works. It's it's big players investing money in something and wanting to see money back on that investment. 
um, which is why I <laughs> am always railing against capitalism poorly on this show. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, as they in the New York Times article, they mention, you know, it, it takes years to build a chip plant, quote unquote, yep. and they don't always come online when they're most needed. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. Totally. Uh, but the one other thing I would say is, is that, you know, putting aside like uh, some of our issues, respective issues of capitalism aside, like part of this, I think, again, just to further encourage why I hope that people are in this for the long term and not the short term is uh, there was an interesting interview that the the um, founder of TSMC, uh, Morris Chang, uh, gave to the Brookings Institution. And he was basically saying that like the the erosion of, of U.S. chip manufacturing, you know, expertise over a number of decades made it very, very difficult for the country to basically become competitive again. And I think he even said that called the Chips Act uh, an expensive exercise in futility or something like that. I don't I don't agree yeah. with that. Right. I think I think that he has his own reasons for saying that. But I do think he's right that the erosion in, in um, you know, Silicon and obviously, look, the reason that Silicon Valley is because Northern California is where semiconductors were invented and where they took off, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like Fairchild is is the birthplace of all that, you know, Intel, all those things. And the fact that we haven't invested as a country, um, not just in the tooling and the infrastructure and and having more of these fabs online, but also in making sure that we have people who are skilled to run the plants and work on the plants and and do more things with innovation. That is really to our detriment. And and I hope that no one like takes the short-sighted view on this and says, oh, we can just completely let this be outsourced to other parts of the world. Because even if you don't have the same national security concerns that, that Brie does, and, and I share many of them, I think that what we've seen with how supply chains can be disrupted makes sense that we can't just rely on one part of the world to be producing mm-hmm. all of our semiconductors. We just can't. Do you remember, do you remember when, um, I think, was it the trash can Mac Pro that uh, there was a lot of talk about manufacturing that here in the United States? Well, yeah, they, they, yeah they, they assembled it. They assembled yeah. it in Texas. Yeah. It wasn't manufactured, but it was assembled in Texas. Yeah. But there was a large discussion there about like Apple having, you know, trouble actually hiring the people that they yes. would need to build things like that here 100%. in the United States because there's just not a pipeline the same way there, there is in not. China. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's slightly different from, from the chip fabs because sure. it, you're talking about unskilled labor and well, not unskilled, but less skilled labor. But you're exactly right. I mean, that is one of the reasons why when people always say, well, why can't we build an iPhone in the United States? Well, uh, you should read The Verge's excellent reporting on the the uh, uh, mythical Foxconn factory that mm. they were supposed to open in Wisconsin. Oh, they got so hundreds good. of millions of they got hundreds of millions of dollars for that literally is never opened, has never done a damn thing, and that was just a waste of government subsidy and stuff, and and it didn't bring any jobs. Yeah. But there was an article, I think it was in it was in the Journal of the New York Times, uh, from I think it was in 2016, where they were talking about just the fact is is that. We don't have the the market and the labor market to even have people working in the factories to assemble phones. We just mm-hmm. don't. Like when they open like John Deere plants, you know, they're asking people to have to do and perform certain math operations that – and this is an indictment of the U.S. Uh, education system, uh, <laughs> uh, but but the people just can't pass. And yeah. and and it, in addition to having the training to even do like the the, the, the low-skill, you know, assembly stuff. So – there, those are those are separate things, but you're exactly right. Like uh, we as a country, once we started 
25, 30 years ago, migrating everything to China, where it was obviously less expensive to do things and stopped innovating. This is now what's happening now in a lot of different mm-hmm. industries is, is right. going to bite it's, us. It's obviously two different things. My point here is the the vertical integration of yes. how like technology gets from like a, a schematic on an engineer's computer to your door involves right. a certain set of skills, which Absolutely. we have not invested in here in this country. And we we should 100%. No, we should, and 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 I wonder, you know, if it's too late. But it will, it'll take radical rethinking. And and mm-hmm. to your point about capitalism, Simone, it will take, I think, people being willing to make less money in a shorter term. And short term could mean decades, right? Mm-hmm. In order to have long term payoffs, because the whole reason they moved from manufacturing in the U.S., whether it's it's you know uh, semiconductors or like iPhone parts, is because they could do it so much cheaper other places. And and then we just stopped investing in anything here, yep. and and it, it's it's a bad thing. I mean, you know. Anyway, turns out, yeah, not paying for labor is bad. Um, one brief correction before we go into the ad read, which if you become a member of this show, you would be able to skip. Uh, I said New York Times. I was quoting Bloomberg. I was incorrect. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Coda. So many people love working remotely, and it is easy to see why you get to work from anywhere. For example, some of us, even just this week, are working from other places that are not our (laughs) homes. Uh, All you need is a laptop and decent Wi-Fi. One of the things that I personally have taken advantage of from working remotely is uh, waking up 10 minutes before I have to start work. And uh, since I generally don't have any meetings till half an hour after I start work, just being in my pajamas for a little bit, just kind of just kind of being in my pajamas, even though I'm online. Oops. Uh, but the problems with working from home are that it's kind of hard sometimes to keep everyone on the same page and focused on the right tasks. That can be a challenge. But that is why so many people love Coda. If you have a remote team working across multiple places and your best work is spread out across documents and spreadsheets with a stack of workflow tools you have to jump in and out of every day, you need Coda, the doc that brings it all together. Coda is endlessly customizable and connected. There are templates for anything and everything. Product roadmaps, remote onboarding, goal trackers, meeting notes, you name it, Coda has it. Coda adapts to changing strategies and growing teams. It can help change how you view information depending on what you need to do with it. And perhaps most importantly, Coda seamlessly integrates with the tools that you need. Everything in Coda is synced. If you make an update in a table, it'll automatically show up everywhere. No more relying on copy and paste to keep important projects current. That can go so wrong. We all know it. Stop it. Your team can operate on the same information and collaborate the way that everyone wants to, which is quickly and efficiently. With Coda, you can solve for just about anything. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to coda.io slash rocket. That is C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free at coda.io slash rocket. Our thanks to Coda for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. I would like to say before this episode started, Bree and I were talking about uh, our thrussies again. 
and uh, uh-huh. she mentioned that I <laughs> did you describe my voice as like having plenty of mucus? Yes, your your vocal folds. The reason you have such a lovely <laughs> resonant voice is your vocal folds are coated. They're just gooey with mucus. I and the reason I sound hoarse right now is because my vocal folds are in shock from from surgery and they are dry and they don't have your level of mucus so i'm mm-hmm. very jealous of that i have never been more conscious of my mucus than when i was just <laughs> reading that ad read i was like in the middle of that going dang i got a lot of spit in here <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry to make you conscious of it no it's good I was like, wow, I'm so resonant. You know who else is resonating with uh, venture capitalists? (laughs) (laughs) Great segue. Great segue. (laughs) Speaking speaking of thrussies. (laughs) I'm sorry. Adam Newman. Okay. He's back, baby. (laughs) Adam Newman, uh, founder of WeWork, has returned to the investment uh, community with a new company called Flow, which, quote-unquote, wants to transform the residential rental real estate market. Wow. Uh, The New York Times reports that Adam Newman's new company, Flow, has the financial backing of none other than Andres and Horowitz, the uh, venture capital firm uh, that has invested in such companies, uh, good and uh, maybe unfortunate, as Facebook. And Airbnb. So, like, successes, but Airbnb, kind of big question mark on that because they're kind of a mess internally. Uh, Horowitz is investing $350 million, the largest individual check that Andres and Horowitz has ever written in a round of funding to a company, end quote, from New York Times. Which, apparently, uh, other investors are considering a good sign, even though I believe Andres and Horowitz has also invested in several cryptocurrency uh, sort of Efforts they have a fund that are they, yeah they have, cri- <laughs> they have a crypto fund. Well, I mean they have a lot of different funds. They're yeah. probably other than Sequoia, probably the biggest venture capital fund. You know, you make some good choices, you make some bad choices. That's money. Uh, but what's the deal with Flow? What's Flow? Uh, continuing to quote from the New York Times, Newman has purchased more than three thousand apartment units in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta. And Nashville. His aim is to rethink the housing rental market by creating, and I'm about to read to you some BS, a branded product mm. with consistent service and community features. Uh, longtime Newman heads will remember that one of his original real estate schemes before WeWork was like a shared like pod housing concept, uh, which they talk about in the first episode of We Crashed on Hulu. Uh, in a blog post, Andreas and Horowitz uh, said, that the rental real estate market is ripe for dis- disruption, end quote, uh, which is true. It is ripe for disruption by angry mobs um, killing landlords. He po- uh, They point to the pandemic as something which has disrupted people's social office lives uh, and says that like people crave more bonding. They're no longer getting it at home or sorry, they're no longer getting it in the office. What if there's a scenario in which it came about through your rental situation? Okay. WeWork is, of course, uh, founded on a similar principle where, like, you, if you are a worker who works from home, what if you didn't work from home and worked in an office with other people? And that, as uh, everyone knows, went super well. What if we are right? I'm personally, I mean, setting aside the financial stuff and the uh, success or failure future potential of flow, 
super excited to be talking about Adam Newman again. That should be fun for us. 100%. He's he's my favorite. I'm going to let you guys opine first because I think my opinion is going to be different. So oh. I'll, I'll let you guys talk first. I don't know if it will be because I think this is a good idea. I found, <gasps> um... Oh, my God. <laughs> we agree. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So, okay. Okay. So this, uh, the rental space needs disruption, right? Yes. So having someone that can go in there and create like a, a standard level stuff with some cool things for younger people where they can meet other younger people and like have, you know, like a coffee bar or a workout room or all that kind of stuff. I think that's something that would do very, very well, actually. And I think if it's a large enough company, then maybe frequent problems like, hey, I just got a job in in Boston. I've got a lease and I need to move to San Francisco. Maybe that's something that this can solve. Um, you know, rental housing is a terrible industry. It needs to be disrupted. The dude does have a lot of experience and I think maybe it won't be a train wreck this time around. So really? that's my opinion. Okay, Christina, give me your opinion then. Okay, so A, I do think it's a good idea. Um, I, as someone who cannot afford to buy a house and people are like, well, how can, why can't you afford to buy a house? Well, I haven't worked in tech my whole career. I was a journalist where, yes, I made a good living by journalism standards, but lived you in New York. You spend the money to work in journalism. It, it, exactly, <laughs> right. And, and you live in an expensive city. And even when you make six figures, you spend all of it on rent and you don't even dream of buying a house. And now in Seattle, the lowest I could spend, the lowest would be a million dollars. It would really, honestly, 1.5. And I, I don't have that kind of money, especially in this market with the way interest rates are going. I'd be stupid to buy a house right now. So I, as someone who spends $4,000 a month on oh rent. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would, and lives in a building that promises some of these sorts of amenities, but doesn't really have them. I would love something like this, especially if, if if it did even like have this, like if it had like nice amenities and things like that, if, if it's run well, which for all the complaints we can have about WeWork, I think anyone who ever worked in one knows WeWork is actually very nice and very well run. And the problem was not at all with the product. It was it was with how much they spent on it, how much they were charging and they undercharged and how much and they their expanded. Expansion, yeah. Sorry, their expansion, but, but, but absolutely. But, but the product itself, top notch. Um, so I actually like the idea of it because this seems like I think this could be, uh, there's also some talk, we don't know enough about it yet, where, but there, some things that I've heard would be like, it might even flip the idea of equity on its head a little bit so that it wouldn't be like you're, you're putting money into nothing because it, it literally, it actually makes me sick that I've given my apartment complex as much money as I have while I've lived in Seattle um, because if I'd been able to put that money into buying a house, you know, I, I would have like a quarter of it paid off already. Um, so, you know, if there's something that you could also add where it might, people might feel like they could get a little bit of equity either in like the, the, the parent company or something else. I'm not sure how it would work. I think I, I, I'm with you, Brie. I think this is right for disruption, but here's the thing I'm going to say that I think is unpopular. I know he's a train wreck. I know that he's a meme. He's my favorite person from all of our scandals, though, because he's not a crook. <laughs> and he's charismatic. He's smart. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. If I was at a fund and if I if I was spending other people's money, if I was writing other people, you know, writing checks with other people's money, like 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 VCs do, I would 100 percent put my money in him at the beginning. I'm not saying that I would come in late like when when SoftBank did and do that crazy stuff. And, I, and I'm not saying I would give him unfettered control and and, and zero 
you know, adults in the room until it's too late. But they always say that you're investing in founders, not in in business models. And I think that he is incredibly charismatic. I think that he has good ideas. And I would I would totally 100 percent put money on him. But the thing just is, because I would he he is a, a charismatic founder. I will agree. But he's a charismatic founder who had a business model that failed. <laughs> well, it did and it didn't. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I think that you could make the argument that, again, like it was the expansion and some of that stuff which which failed. I think that the idea itself, which I, I again, some of this stuff, I don't know if it's his fault. Right. Like, I feel weird defending the guy, but he didn't tell J.P. Morgan and all the other people to start valuing his company the way you would value tech companies. Like he he made maybe like that that pitch, but it's not like he forced them to do that, right? Like these were institutions that were massive that should have known better who decided to value it the same way you would a tech company, even though it wasn't, right? Like they, they knew what they were doing. I I don't think it's on him. Like so now you think because it's straightforwardly this is a real estate effort that some of that confusion and lack of clarity will be addressed, like in, in how people I mean, are maybe, investing. Maybe. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I still kind of don't care, right? Like if the product is good, like mm-hmm. do do you care that SoftBank lost billions of dollars on WeWork? Because I really don't. <laughs> I, just, I do not understand how this is addressing the housing crisis. Because for me, the solution to the housing crisis is not venture capitalism. The solution to the housing crisis is providing housing <laughs> well, and destroying housing. Well, well, the l- landlord class. Um, and, and this is, so it, it's just confusing to me, uh, I guess, it, when they're when they're talking about the, how this is addressing equity and the way that no one can afford to purchase a house. That's confusing to me. The creating yeah. community part, yeah. I, I think I, I understand perhaps the intent behind it. Um, certainly, like within my generation, there is a huge... You know, often expression of longing to, you know, just like be able to afford a plot of land to live with all of your friends together, like in separate little houses. Totally. Sure, that I buy. That being said, uh, when they're saying like, do you know your neighbors in your apartment complex? Do you do anything with them? That I, I don't know how they're addressing that problem because I, you, you can, you can fix that as an individual. You can fix it. You can form a freaking union with your people in your apartment building right now and like fight your landlord together if you want to over the last, which I'm not doing, I will clarify if, Hey, (laughs) Julia, if you're listening to this, Uh, (laughs) but like over the last couple years of, you know, mostly working from home, I have gotten to know better a few of the people in my building and it's really cool. And we don't like hang out, but I think the thing standing between me and forming a stronger community with the people around me is me. It's not Adam Newman and it's not venture capitalism and it's not buying up 3000 apartments in like cities across the South. That just doesn't make sense to me. I I think you're dead on there, Simone. Like I don't, I don't, talk to Frank, my husband, about house cleaning <laughs> tips, and I'm not going to look for Nor venture capitalists <laughs> to give me solutions to like inequity in housing. That's just not the business they're in. It's not reasonable to do that. I think right. what Christina and I agree on is, look, you've got all these people out there, venture capital funds, uh, you know, uh, they're buying up the entire supply of housing. My property tax on my house uh, went up by $350 a month 
because Oof. there's such a limited supply and the value of my house has right. skyrocketed since I bought it. This is everyone doing this. So Adam Newman getting in on this game, like he's just the latest person to be Absolutely. playing Monopoly with their housing market. And so I don't think it's going to make that any better if they put something in a press right. release saying, hey, we may I, yeah. eventually be able to help people. I, I don't believe yeah. that they're going to solve the equity part of that. What I do think they're going to do is provide a product for people like Christina yes. that is a slightly better value uh, with like cool things and cool people living there. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I'm, I'm exactly with you. I do not think for a second that this will do anything to solve inequity in housing. However, it will, I think, create competition because you have big groups like Compass now and other massive real estate conglomerates who own most of the real estate in this country and who continue to buy it up and buy up far more of it than Adam Newman. Um, and they don't have any like incentives to have to iterate and improve on things, right? Like my building, which which like Hunter's Capital, which is one of the biggest uh, real estate uh, firms in uh, in the Pacific Northwest owns, right? Like I pay them $4,000 a month in rent. We were robbed. Our, our package room, which we were required to use, was robbed multiple times in 2020. And I had like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of things stolen. Really had no recourse other than my homeowner's insurance, which was like, you know, which, which was if you file a claim on that, then, then you know, you go through it, right? Like I pay a ridiculous amount for parking. I don't have great service. If there was some competition to that, I do think that, that they would be forced to improve the similar way that the taxi industry was forced to make improvements after Uber came in. And this, at least, is, as far as we know, we don't know a lot of anything, isn't going to really be breaking any laws. I will also say this, like the, the solution to housing is more housing. And frankly, a lot of that is the fault of, of people who claim to be on the left, who will refuse to build yep. more high rises, refuse to to do other things. Like the people of San Francisco are the reason why San Francisco doesn't have housing because they won't allow them to build things higher than a certain area, right? It's it's the it's the NIMBYs who most of them are politically left who honestly really make this difficult. So there are a lot of people we can blame for the housing crisis that are happening. I don't think this is going to solve it. But it, I think that it might have a good product. Um, and, and putting any of the other stuff aside, like I said, like I wouldn't give him money in the middle or, or maybe in the middle at the end of kind of uh, something's venture. Like I wouldn't come in when SoftBank did, but I absolutely would get in in the beginning when you could, you know, potentially have a really good cash out option. Just mm -hmm. strictly from a financial perspective, I would have no problem investing in him, assuming that was my job. I will give you that on on creating competition and putting pressure on existing rental companies to be better. Um, and we will, of course, continue to cover this eagerly and hungrily. Also, I was just going to say, just just imagine how we know that this is going to be a cluster. We know that there's yes. going to be some insane stuff here, which means more content for us. Absolutely. And, and for, and, 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 and for Rocket for Booster Rocket. members. It honestly is. Rocket listeners, don't don't invest in flow, but invest but enjoy, in us. It, invest <laughs> yeah. in us talking about flow and getting entertainment out of it. Plus, we, maybe this yeah. means we'll get a maybe we'll get a sequel to We Crashed. Oh my god, we built. We <gasps> Okay. Someone pitch that right now. Pitch that right now. Let, let's Wait. get Jared and Anne back in. We built. Yeah, absolutely. What about Wheel Estate. No, we oh, built is better. We, okay. we, we, we built, you nailed it. You, you got it the right time. Okay, you got, got it, perfect, it the, the first time. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your support. 
Okay, moving on to our third topic of the day, censorship in Hollywood. (gasps) But true this time, Disney's standards and practices practices have been criticized very often, uh, and they're being criticized right now after an Australian children's show, not for the first time, has had its jokes neutered. The show is Bluey, a cartoon about a blue healer dog, and longtime watchers of the show have often complained about it being somewhat altered between its original Australian broadcast and the American ones. Among the incredibly inappropriate things that Disney standards and practices have removed are gags about cartoon animals pooping. And now in a recent episode that has disappeared from American streaming services called Family Matters, cartoon animals farting are being targeted by (laughs) Disney. Uh, And I'm the person I am making fun of here in my overdramatic intro is freaking Disney because yes. they are absolutely their their standards and practices part department is completely uh, like unreasonable. Yeah, thank you, uh, Alex Hirsch. If you have followed the show Gravity Falls, which aired on Disney XD several several Amazing. years ago, has made multiple threads. Uh, where he criticizes, he basically shows some of the jokes that were he was asked to remove from Gravity Falls, and for for reasons that Disney SNP comes back and says, well, like this this is about poop and that's inappropriate, and then also things like this is a this seems like it could be interpreted sexually, and he's like it's it's frick it can't be unless you're looking at it and trying like with all of your might to make it inappropriate. It's not inappropriate for the audience that it is intended for, which is children. Um, And I think that this is just a more extreme version of that because it's literally like cartoon animals, again, farting something that everyone does. Yes. (laughs) Include, and especially children. They love it. (laughs) They're the prime audience for farts. Yes. Also, this this episode was about basically like one of the kids was accused of farting in one of the other kids' face. <laughs> and then there was a whole trial about it. And which is very uh, funny. Which is very funny. And this is a show aimed at preschoolers. I don't know if either of you have seen it. I watched it for the first time a few weeks ago when I was visiting um, my uh, my, my uh, friend Ashley and um, her almost two year old uh, daughter, um, Marlo, who loves it. And I've immensely became enamored with the show. I, I didn't have pirating um, an Australian children's cartoon show like on my bingo list, especially to get the uncensored version. Like, I didn't think that was a thing I'd be doing in 2022. Uh, <laughs> but here we are. But the show is fantastic. It's genuinely great. It's aimed, it's it's for kids, but adults can enjoy it too. It's wholesome. It's about these two little girl uh, dogs, a six-year-old and like her her younger sister and how they play and like the mom and the dad and the people in their in, in their life and they live in Brisbane and it's very Australian and it's it's delightful is, is all I can say. Like it's a genuinely delightful show. And like to censor dogs pooping and making fart jokes it's very Disney, silly. Do, what did you understand? Yeah. Right. Like, like, do you understand that this is literally the type of humor that people of all ages, but especially children, love? I mean, come on. I, I just don't understand, like, at what point that became not acceptable for children's television. I mean, you know, when I went to see the Sonic movie, it's like, you're waiting for it. You're like, oh, here, I'm in a movie for children. Well, uh, a poop or a fart joke is going to come. And 
boom, 20 minutes in, there you are. Like, it's just the formula. You know, 100%. What we should be censoring is the joke where, like, an adult character starts breakdancing for no reason because yes. it's been done a million <laughs> times and I it's so boring now and I'm we sick should, of we it. Should, we should censor cringe, absolutely. We, also, yes, let's also, censor cringe. Censor cringe, but also, like, Everybody Poops is a really important book and it's important for people... And also, I could see that there would be a lesson. Like, I think that the ultimate lesson in in the trial thing was about lying and about, like, other stuff and, like, rudeness. Like, there are things that you can accomplish in a very funny setup. Like, I haven't seen the episode, but I assume that it, in bluey fashion, it's fantastic. And it just, apparently, it's going to come back after they've made whatever alterations they need to make. But Disney, for yeah. real. Now, they've said, uh, Disney has said it will reevaluate its S&P practices, <laughs> question mark on what that will mean, of course, in the long term. Yeah. Sorry, finish your, your thought, Christina. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I understand the Walt Disney Corporation wishes that children were pristine, robotic, clean, never doing anything perfect, like, you know, robotatrons, which was Disney's vision and, and the same vision he had for Disney World and, and Disneyland and all that stuff. I, I understand that. But this is not how it actually is. I also mm-hmm. don't understand, like, okay, so the weird thing is, so Gravity Falls, like, the notes they gave, it was, like, because, oh, well, this is broadcast on television, and children's television can't have, like, uh, fart jokes, which is ridiculous, because anyone who watched, you know, cartoons in, in the 80s or 90s knows, or anybody who's watched anything on Cartoon Network, not, I'm not even talking Adult Swim, I'm talking Cartoon Network, yeah. is already there. But then, like, to, I, I get annoyed because Disney's whole, like, response to this is, like, well we'll maybe reevaluate because we could have different standards for streaming networks. It's like, Come why, on. Is this, why is this your practices for Disney XD? What is, which no one watches anyway. What is, what is wrong with you? This is why everybody watches Cartoon Network, like, or Nickelodeon. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's baffling. Uh, sorry, Bree, did you have a thought? No, it's just, if, if Disney wants to censor some things about their cartoons, why don't you censor the plot line where the mom or dad dies or both of them, which is like right. 90% it, of so Disney's weird. Disney movies, which yeah. honestly freaked me out like yeah. a lot as a child. Like there's no one that saw Bambi that wasn't traumatized by that. Where was the Disney standards and practices when that came out? When was it? 1952 or something? Something, yeah. How, how about, uh, what's the movie with, uh, uh, where the, the dog dies at the end, where the red fern grows? Oh, or, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, 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 exactly, right? Which, oh my God, that, yeah, that. that and, tr- I remember Old Yeller, Old Yeller. My, oh my old, God, old Yeller. I cried my... I saw when old Yeller yes. died, and everyone in my class made fun of me for it. That was traumatizing. It is. Like, go after the real problems you've got. Uh, Brianna, I think yes. what you fail to take into account here is that if a child watches an episode like this, they might have the idea put in their in their head that it's funny to fart on their friends, and a child right. would never come up with that. <laughs> they would never unless come up with they that had on their seen own. it on television. In fact, it never happened when I when I was growing up. We never farted on our friends for fun. We never farted on our friends for fun. We never made fart jokes. We never no. had never. We, 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 had we never like we we never put our our our, ha- our cupped our hands underneath our armpits to to to, to make no. uh, a farting noise. Like we, we we never had contests to see who could do that the most. Like absolutely never. Not. No, we, we, we never had fart spray 
that we would, uh, yeah, exactly. We didn't have, we didn't go to, we didn't go to Spencer Gifts and buy fake dog poop to plant on people's desks at school. We never did those things. So true. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's baffling. And as like sub, uh, I guess, conversation topic for this, um, the movie Turning Red is on Disney Plus. It's it's a Mm -hmm. great, great film. It's great. Um, Disney, to its credit, has apparently, you know, not censored it. But I'm seeing so much uh, a very frustrating dialogue about that movie on social media. um, Yes. Because the uh, girl in that movie, there's a gag where, you know, she turns into a panda and her mom thinks that she's gotten her period. And, like, when kids are getting their periods when they're, like, 12 years old and parents are saying, like, this is inappropriate for children and I don't want to talk about it, shut up. Exactly. (laughs) Look, look, it's it is traumatic enough to get your period or uh, whether you get it earlier or late. And I got mine really late because of my growth issues or whatever. But it's traumatic enough. We don't need, like, the discourse making it worse because you can't even express it in in media content, right? Like maybe it'd be less dramatic if the only things we didn't read about it or see about it were like, you know, always, uh, you know, ads, um, yeah. like, like like tampon or pad ads, or like reading Judy Bloom books that were written fifty years ago, right? Like maybe may- maybe the process would be less traumatic. I don't yeah. know. And like to Disney's credit on this, we have like Turning Red, and then the new Baymax show, I believe, has an episode about uh, somebody getting their period, and there was a, just a really inclusive message in that episode, and it was all about you know buying pads and tampons, <laughs> a robot buying pads and tampons for you, which I think is great. Um, yes. So Disney, you know, I think has done some good things, but they're they're just they have kind of a baffling track record when it comes to media for younger kids, especially. And when, yes. when it comes to stuff like this, which is just like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, it's yeah. just not a there, there's nothing offensive about it. There's nothing <laughs> offensive about it. Also, I mean, this is a show that like the, the Australian Broadcasting Network and I think the BBC like helps do like this is not a show that is. Done by like some some vagrants, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like hot, like Disney bought the. I think they had to compete to to buy the rights for this thing for for U.S. distribution. Wow. Um. So this is hardly like like the. I was looking this up. The number of viewers this show got, like first run, like in in Australia, it was getting like sometimes like four hundred and fifty thousand viewers an episode. Which wow, that's huge. In, which in twenty which. Which in 2022, like, look, I understand that Rugrats, like, 25 years ago was one of the biggest shows on television. Like, it got ratings that were better than almost anything else on cable. I get that. But but 25 years later, when everybody has streaming, the fact that you have that many people who would tune in to a cartoon show, like, like seven-minute segments, shows you that, like, this is a very popular show and a very good show. And, and so, like, what are you doing, Disney? Like, also, mm-hmm. if you really feel this concerned— Put a content warning on it the same way you do about some of your old racist, uh, you know, like a you know a Pluto um, a, um, cartoons from this the from, show from the forties. Poop. Yes, exactly. This show contains poop. I mean, I bet if you literally, let the, the, <laughs> that, sorry, if you that's let, gonna you, be our episode title. <laughs> yes, yes. I and I bet that if you let the yes, perfect episode title. But I bet if you let the animators, like the creators of the show, like do a disclaimer, they would make it hilarious. Yeah, that would just add to it. So if you if you need to do it, and oh here's the best part, they don't even call it farting in the episode. They call it passing wind. Don't they call it <laughs> fluffing? 
No, no, no. They they, 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 which is another <laughs> thing which we're not going to get into. Okay. Uh, Thank you for that, though. That That is helpful. Um, ridiculous. Ridiculous topic. Okay. Hey, let's talk about what we're up to this week. Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, I'm on a fundraising uh, trip, uh, helping some friends out, and uh, yes, uh, enjoying uh, just uh, my old home of D.C. I lived in DuPont Circle for many, many years. I, uh, I got to text uh, Chelsea Manning a, uh, a picture of a coffee shop where I met her back in the 90s a really long time ago. We were wow. talking. It's like, because we, we used to hit the same uh, you know, gay clubs in D.C. Amazing. <laughs> this is where everyone would meet up. So, uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying my work vacation and uh, trying to uh, finish everything up so I can get home in time for uh, episode 400. Uh, as we all are. Christina, what are you up to? Um, well, I am in Atlanta with my parents um, and, uh, and, my, and my sister. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm here for my mom's birthday, which is great. Also, brief correction. It was not one of the kids farting on one of the other kids. This is even better. It was the father farting in the face of one of the kids and the mother then putting him on trial. The whole thing could Amazing. not be more wholesome. Anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry for that last minute Louis correction. Uh, I, so I'm, I'm in a, I'm just in Atlanta. I'm having fun with my family and, uh, that's basically it. And I, and I'm, I'm a little bored because I don't have to work and <laughs> there's not a ton of stuff to do. I can't go to gay clubs. Unfortunately, my parents are too far out in the boonies. Otherwise I would go to some of the Atlanta, um, gay clubs, uh, and, and, and ha go out in the town like you are Brie. But, um, I'm, uh, so I'm just kind of like in the suburbs with the dogs, um, and, and that's it. But I'm having fun. Yeah, it's got to be said, like, gay clubs in the South, that's next level. Like, it doesn't yeah. take anything okay. to party oh, in Miami. Well, well, in Jackson, well, Mississippi, that's, it's a different vibe, I gotta say. I was gonna say, Atlanta is not quite Miami, but Atlanta has a pretty good scene. Oh, yeah, uh, okay, uh, other, other, other thing I'm doing, which is not quite the same as going out in gay clubs. So, my parents are really into Outlander. They just started <gasps> watching it. Oh, oh, Christina. Which oh. is amazing. Which is amazing because now I get to watch Outlander with my parents. That's not awkward at all. I'm I'm so I I cannot. This is like I remember when my mom got really into True Blood and like that was awkward. Yes. that's nothing. No, I, I to was this. gonna say, and I thought that I thought nothing. that I would like. I thought it would be less awkward because I've seen I saw Brokeback Mountain and Call Me by Your Name in the theater both times with my mom. <sighs> And 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 I, I saw I think Black Swan with her too. I've seen a lot of stuff with with them. Outlander still. I was like, you know what? I'm really glad you're watching a Ronald D. Moore show because my parents really aren't into genre and they both really like it. Like I'm really glad that we're bonding this way. We're watching the show. It's great. This is also incredibly uncomfortable for very yeah. long stretches of time. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, you know my condolences. So sorry to hear that. Uh, no, I mean, it's great. Wait, 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 what, what part yeah. of Outlander are you at? So we're still in the first season. We're finishing <laughs> up the first season. <laughs> All right. Well, carry exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah, I, I exactly. think whatever parent picked that to watch, the other parents should put them on trial for doing that, <laughs> Christina. And there should no, be a bluey episode about it. <laughs> there should be a bluey episode about it. And in, 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 in my defense, like, they are, are really into it, invited me to watch it, and I enjoy it. And they're not being weird about it. And it's just, you know... I'm happy for them, you know? I'm happy for them, too. It's just, you don't expect... 
and I knew that I knew the show. I had seen parts of it before over the years, but it's been a really long time. I knew that it had, you know, graphic scenes. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten or maybe was unaware of of how graphic. Anyway, yeah. it's one of those. Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so so that's a thing. Mom, yeah. if you're listening to this, I love you. I'm glad you're enjoying Outlander so much. I'm so excited because now you'll watch Battlestar Galactica. Uh, but, uh, but, but sometimes it's a little bit, uh, makes, m- m- makes you think about things. And it's only going to get all. worse, which is the great thing about it. That is fantastic. I'm, cannot wait for it to get worse. Thank oh, you so much, Simone. Gosh. Um, cool. What am I doing this week? Uh, so, uh, what am I, what am I freaking doing this week? I've, uh, you totally derailed me because I, I spent sorry. a lot of time watching and thinking about Outlander back a couple of years ago. And now I'm just remembering right. there was a time when my, I was watching an episode and my roommate came home and I literally had to like turn right. off the TV and continue watching it in my room. Cause I was like, there's nothing that can explain right. what I am consuming right now. There, there's nothing I can say about this. That will make it also, okay. Also, listeners, if you want more content like what we're talking about, please subscribe to um, ro- um, Rocket Booster because this is absolutely Rocket Booster fodder. That what a smart thing I didn't to realize. say. How smart. Uh, this week, I'm continuing to play freaking Fortnite because um, I bought the <laughs> Goku skin. and I. How many I'm, skins do you have now? I only have a few. Look, and most of them I have earned by okay. playing on the Battle Pass, which I did purchase. <laughs> Uh, I guess nothing really much to report. We're just continuing to truck away. Like I had a video come out a couple weeks ago and then I'm, I'm going to go on vacation next week. So I won't have anything else new out since then. But I will say we do stream weekly Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash polygon. So if you want to see me in action, you can do that. Come tune in. Hang out. It's really fun. Uh, we're not playing Fortnite this week. I think we're playing Multiverses. But if we find Multiverses boring... We're going back to Fortnite, baby. Hey, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Brianna Wu on Twitter. Awesome. And Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash GitHub. Amazing. You can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and everywhere else as well. And my videos at youtube.com slash polygon thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode of rocket if you liked it i hope you leave us a good rating on the podcast service of your choice but apple Podcasts, especially popular and useful uh also again uh if you go to relay.fm slash membership let me just double check that yes relay.fm slash membership you can learn more about how to sign up for membership next week is episode 400 there's nothing there for us right now uh but hopefully like soon we will be able to direct you to a link that works and uh if you want to support us it's going to be an amazing new venue for doing that but also enjoying yourself by uh hearing us talk about like poop for 15 more minutes or whatever (laughs) um Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.